Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Crime. I'm Jared, your host, and I appreciate you being here. It's a fantastic day, springtime. So here in Utah, we are just glad that it's not snowing, to be honest. So this morning, I have a fantastic guest and the first, actually, for All Things Crime of a parent of a homicide victim. And this is Eddie Couture, and he is a wonderful man. I, I haven't been able to personally meet him, but from all the people that I know that also know him, he is just an amazing guy. So his daughter and son-in-law were murdered in 2021, and I wanted to bring him on and have him talk about the case and talk about his daughter. So, Eddie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Gary. Happy to be here. I appreciate you taking the time, especially because I know, well, I don't know, to be honest. I've never lost a child, and so I, I know this is has to be amazingly difficult for you. So, again, I, I appreciate you being here. But most importantly, I, I think it gives you an opportunity to talk about your daughter and a little bit about her and her husband and a little bit about their case. Because as of now, which is almost April of 23, their case is still unsolved. And so, yeah, definitely wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about it. Well, I appreciate that. I hope I can build up the portion of your introduction. <laughs> yeah, well, let, to get started, tell us about your daughter. Tell us about, you know, where you were when... and you know, growing up years and then how she was, you know, got married and, and where things went from there. We were in Texas at the time, Fort Worth in Arlington area. My daughter actually wound their time, my wife and I owned there in Arlington. We moved to Glenberry. So she's always been very strong. She was with an excellent businesswoman. She worked for the state payment back for a number of years in the credit card division. And she was head of a team there. Every year she won quarterly at Ames. But her team worked. So she was very good at it. She left state, we went as a uh, contractor in the same district and worked for several companies. And finally, just before they moved to Ohio, she had taken a, a job with this company. And uh, that's when they needed to go to Ohio. Prior to that time, she was very adventurous, more so than just about anybody I know. She had tandem parachute club. And then a few later, she did air combat. And she said that was a much bigger rush than like Paris Perfect Ball. She's uh, done quite a bit. She's a very kind person. He has helped people that was all happy out of the abusive, married situation. And so she's done a lot of things people twice their age with, with that. Wow. Sound like a fantastic woman. Now, your daughter's name is Angela. Yes. And she was married to Tom. Yes. So tell me about them and what they were doing in Ohio. Well, they went up there to open a, a restaurant called Salsa Joe's. And Tom had opened a few of those in Texas prior to their move to Ohio. But that was where Tom's, that was his hometown and Belmont, St. Clairsville area, which is right on the river between Ohio and West Virginia. They moved up there, bought a fantastic home in a very upward mobile area, large lots, two-story homes. So it was a very nice home. And they opened the first uh, Salsa Joe's there in 
St. Clairsville. And a few months later, they opened one in Wheeling, West Virginia. So they had two restaurants and things weren't going well with the second location, the one in West Virginia. The crowds weren't what they thought they were going to be, what they told was history for that location. So they were planning a trip to Florida for my daughter's birthday. And uh, their plan was to go down there and possibly look for a home to move there and open a restaurant as well. So that never happened because their travel plans were to leave on the 22nd and her birthday would have been on the 23rd. And uh, we were here in uh, Hot Springs and I had taken the dog to the vet. My wife called me said, you better come on and come home. And I thought it was probably my wife's brother because he's 80 some odd years old and he's not in good health. And then it dawned on me that she probably wouldn't have insisted that I come home if it was her brother. So I went ahead and, and, and went home. I said, well, it's got to be one of the kids. But I originally thought it was probably my son because he's a fireman paramedic. They're just outside of Fort Worth. And uh, when I got home, she told me it was Angie, and it's still terribly hard to talk about a lot of this. But we were fortunate enough to find uh, uh, Cheryl and the Research Institute, Cold Case Research Institute, and she put us in touch with you, the MBAC system. She even made a trip from Atlanta to St. Clairsville to walk the scene and watch the operation of the MBAC. And at the time we went up there, there was really no leads in the case. And at that time, it had been over a year. The MBAC was able to gather some DNA off of a doorknob, but part of the problem was that area had been swabbed so many times. There was very little DNA, and we could not get a full profile off of that particular area. And there was another area on the microwave that he gathered some additional DNA and did get a profile, but nothing that matched anybody in the SCOTUS system, as I understand it right now. And they have also, the state lab had did some more of the fingerprint analysis, and they did have a full profile on one print. It was entered, and it did not come back as a hit yet as well. So we're still almost at square one, it seems. This is a case that the local Sheriff Rumble will tell you they never had one like this. It's very difficult because of the, I don't know that it was an attempted arson or if it was more just an attempt to cover up any potential evidence that the house was set on fire, but it did not bond in the ground. We've been in that house several times since then, and that's part of the problem. I, I think the scene was released to base almost the public, it seemed like, shortly after the murders. Yeah, Eddie. They didn't have good records who was in and who was out of the house, what was taken, what wasn't taken. For the sake of the audience that may not know the details, and if it's if it's too painful to to talk about it, then you know please d- don't worry about it. But you know you 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 talked about the crime scene, you talked about you know the house, but can you explain to the audience what happened to your daughter and and her husband? Uh, yes, it was in the evening. Somewhere between, uh, we've been told, their estimate is between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. We feel, and we've not gotten any pushback from the authorities, 
that it was probably somebody or somebody's that they knew and was familiar with the house. My daughter was sitting on the couch. They could tell from her uh, vaping charger and uh, her Michelob Ultra, she was sitting there on the end of the couch. Tom apparently was on the other end of the couch. We're not sure, and we're not sure. They couldn't tell who was executed first, but it was both in the very same manner, two to the body and uh, one to the head. It looked like the house had been uh, ransacked. Things looked for, gone through, but what was odd, they didn't take her jewelry. She was wearing it. Tom had some watches, um, unusual watches, and they took all of those, which there was about five, I think five watches of the same variety. And a lot of receipts from the restaurants were thrown around. It looked like the closets had been gone through. Clothes were in disarray in there. And then they set that fire. Again, we don't know if it was an intentional fire just to make the evidence collection more difficult or if they had planned on the entire house burning down. And like I mentioned, it was nowhere close to burning down. The uh, biggest damage was the soot and the smoke inside the house. Uh, The heat was very, very hot because any plastic devices, the thermostats on the walls just melted and ran down the wall. The type of uh, Venetian blinds they had in the bedrooms uh, were melted and sagging. And the floor in the living room where they were at was very charred. And one of the couches uh, was set on fire. And there was nothing but a frame left of that uh, couch. And other things across the room, uh, a leather upholstered chair had stood on it, but it wasn't burnt in any shape or form. It was just very isolated uh, instances that looked like either three or four locations had been set, one in a closet, which was, I guess, the most successful of the fires because it burned uh, the floor. You could see down into the basement, and it started to go up to the second floor, but it never burned up into the second floor. So most of the damage was on the main level of the house. The fire department was notified at around 7 a.m., and they arrived shortly thereafter. They vented the roof, of course, and a lot of the damage was from the uh, firemen trying to put the fire out because the problem they were having, uh, it was very hot and smoldering. And so it took a while to find all of the hot spots and, and make sure that everything was uh, extinguished at that, at that point. Uh, there was one fella that uh, worked uh, up the road from them at uh, a company at I never get this name right, but I think it's Stone Crusher. He and the neighbor next door were the first two individuals on the site. The neighbor couldn't get in the front door. The first responder from the company down the street went around to that back door and was able to get in there. And he went in, and the smoke was so bad, he couldn't see anything. And he, somehow he found, uh, he found a uh, hinge and was able to pull her body out. He pulled her body out to the uh, back porch, but it was so hot and the smoke was so bad, he couldn't go back in. So they had to wait on the uh, fire department to get there. And uh, they were the ones that uh, moved Tom's body out. And uh, obviously the fire department, they're putting the fire out. They're going through the house looking for hot spots and things of that nature. Disrupted the crime scene even more. So it's been a bad situation for the investigators to be able to come up with enough evidence to, to figure out a reason why 
And what, if anything, do they actually take out of the house? We, we don't know. Thanks for joining us. Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.